have your Bible this morning, if you can turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Titled this morning's message, Diving Into the Deep End. We're so thankful uh, to live in a uh, great nation where we are free. Uh, to worship. Certainly, we need to realize that every one of us who follows the Lord has dual citizenship. We are citizens of this great land, and I'm thankful for our country. I hope you are too. But then we must also realize that first, we are citizens of another land. We are citizens just passing through this world. But this world is not our home. And our first allegiance must be to the Lord. And the reason that our nation enjoys the freedoms that we do is our nation was founded upon uh, Christian liberty and justice for all. And what a wonderful thing. And, and friends, I want you, that comes straight from the Bible. Uh, and we're so thankful for those freedoms that we enjoy. But we also know that freedom is not free, and freedom is not easily kept. There are so many forces in this world that are working to deny and to restrict freedom. And it takes people who are committed to remain free. And it takes work to remain free. I wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all just live in, in bliss and harmony and not worry about, you know, war going on and, you know, all these crazy things, and, and uh, not only in our nation but around the world. We didn't have to worry about that. That would be wonderful. But the truth of the matter is we do, and so we you know, have uh, mechanisms of national defense. We've got the Army here at Fort Benning just to our south. Men and women train and uh, work every day to protect our country. And I tell you that the writer of Hebrews wants us to understand that our freedom that we have in Christ is just as fragile. And it's just as important that we're adamant and uh, intentional about working to preserve and protect the freedom that we have because of what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. So let's pick up Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 is where we'll begin this morning. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms and of laying of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This will do if, if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers uh, of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him into an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. 
But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany us salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What a great reminder for us on this Independence Day about how important it is to dive deeper in our faith in Christ. And so there's some things that we want to talk about. He said, listen, you know, it's he talked, remember, in chapter 5, uh, and I encourage you to go back and re- read it again, that it's possible for us to become immature. It's possible for us to be, though we've been a Christian or we've been saved for a long time, to, to still be babies in Christ. Now, we know that, you know, uh, Jackson, a little bundle of joy, he's supposed to eat formula and uh, rice cereal maybe now. I don't know if he's gotten there yet, but he's probably not too far from there. And he wears diapers still and... You know, mom and dad have to dress him, or Mimi dresses him, and uh, he—he's taken care of very well. But we know that, and we expect the day will come uh, before anybody's probably ready for it. That little Jackson decides he wants to dress himself, and that he's more than capable of picking out his own outfits, even though he's got two different colored socks on and two different shoes, and pants and a shirt that don't match and a hat that doesn't go with anything. But he's he wants to be capable and independent. And one day he'll graduate from diapers to uh, pull-ups and then to underoos and, you know, big boy drawer. It would be a problem if, you know, he's 20 and still in diapers. That That's not the normal course of human development. And we all, there are diapers, uh, Adults who have to wear diapers and different things, but it's because that there's a, a medical problem. There's there's issues there. But when a person develops naturally, they grow out of those things. And the writer of Hebrews is making the case to us that we need to grow out of spiritual baby diapers. And we need to begin to digest some of the, the deep things and the doctrines of Christ. But not... Baptism and salvation and, and those kind of things, those are elementary things, the right Hebrew says. But we need to go on to, to deeper things, to meatier things. And that's the, the call that God calls us to. And uh, in verse 1 it says, let us go on to perfection. And when the Bible talks about perfection, it's not talking about perfection the way we would use that word. When we say something's perfect, we mean that it's without blemish, it's it's absolutely perfect. When the Bible uses the word perfection, most of the time, the word that it, it's conveying the idea of being complete, uh, of being whole. And when we find Christ, and when we grow in Him, and we mature in Him, 
and when we, you know, we're taught. When you're when you're a new Christian, you go to Sunday, you learn things. You know the the story of David and Goliath is new to you. The story of the giant grasshoppers in the promised land is new to you, and it's exciting. You you soak all those things in. And you learn them, and, you know, we take God's Word, and we we learn it, and we internalize it, we apply it to our lives. And that's good. We're supposed to do that. But then the writer of Hebrews reminds us that if we're growing in Christ and we're going deeper, we don't just keep it to ourselves. Just as somebody had to tell us the story of David and Goliath or those giant grasshoppers or uh, you know, the stories of the New Testament, once we've learned those and we've digested them and we've grown in Christ, then it becomes our responsibility to turn that back around, isn't it, and to share that, those stories and those lessons from God's Word with others. Well, can we do that if we haven't learned it and applied it ourselves? Absolutely we can. And so this preacher writes and is preaching to these Christians and says, listen, it's time that we go on and you become whole, that, that you become the, the growing, um, fruit-bearing Christians that God intends for you to be. Well, how does that happen? I tell you, it doesn't happen by resting on your laurels. It doesn't happen by being comfortable. It happens by being intentional and growing. He uses the word, make sure that you don't become sluggish in verse 12, in the, at the end of the passage that we read. And, and I mean, in other words, don't become lazy in your spiritual life, but serve the Lord. So this morning I want us to talk about three ways that we grow and deeper in our walk with Christ. That no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, and we're all in di- at different points. Some of you have been walking with Christ longer than I've been alive. And you know a lot of things. Some of you are newer in Christ. But wherever you are, the fact is that God intends for you to continue to be growing. The fact that you're alive means that God has things to teach you. And things he intends for you to be growing in. So what are those things? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. The first thing is that we need to be growing in our habits of hope. If there's one thing that this world desperately needs today, it's hope. And the child of God has hope that no place else and nobody else has. Because the only place that hope comes from is a relationship with God. If we just looked at this world and and paid attention to the news, we would be mighty discouraged. There's a lot of nonsense going on, not only in our community and in our state, in our nation, but around the world. There are all kinds of, I mean, it's just nonsense. It's goofy stuff. It's stuff that should make our head just shake and, and sadden us because it certainly makes God's head shake and it saddens him that some of the stuff is going on. And so he says, listen, you know what? You know, you as a child of God, because of the hope that is in you, 
God has equipped you and will help you to change this world. We know that throwing money at problems doesn't solve it, don't we? Well, our government loves to put money toward a problem. There's a problem, well, we'll just spend some money on it. I tell you, most problems money doesn't solve. Because money wasn't the problem to start with. There's some underlying issue that's created the problem. That underlying issue has to be fixed before the problem is fixed. There's lots of those examples. We won't take time to to enumerate them, but there, there are things that God has called us and equipped us and given us abilities and tools to help make a difference in this world. That's what he intends for us to do and when we take the hope of the gospel of Christ to those that need it, it changes this world a little bit. You see, we, we, we oftentimes, we want to be able to see change, don't we? We want to see differences made. We want, you know, for like these house shows where they take a house and they demolish it and then, you know, a week later they've got a big new house. Most of the time things don't happen that quickly. They happen incrementally, don't they? It's little changes. And little change and little change and and all those little changes adding up that make a big impact. And so God can take us, though we're small, and he can use us and he can take our little bits of um, possessions or abilities and he can use them to accomplish great things. Not because we're so great, but because he is. And so there really is hope. A lot of people in this world that are looking for hope. Money will not provide hope. Government cannot provide hope. But friends, if you know Jesus, you know one that does and can give hope. And so he tells us, listen, why don't you go on to, to grow in the habits of, of hope? That, and what are they? They're ministering to others. The Bible in the New Testament, several places, the Old Testament as well, gives us examples of what that looks like. It means helping orphans and widows and uh, homeless and uh, you know, people who are down and out. And in fact, there's a, a truth that how we treat the least among us says more about us than how we treat dignitaries and, and who our friends are and how far we up on the social ladder we might be. And so the right Hebrew said, listen, your faith is not to be a dead faith. It's not to be a sluggish faith that takes naps all the time. It's to be an active faith. So even when you're out uh, watching fireworks Wednesday, you should be recognizing, seeing the things that you do, understanding you're a representative of God. When you go to work tomorrow morning, or you go to the beauty shop, or, uh, you know, go shopping, or, you know, Go to the grocery store to get all those uh, cookout supplies. In everything you do, you need to recognize you are an ambassador for Christ. 
And we need to learn to act like it. And as we do that, we grow in our spiritual maturity. The more you do something, just like the way you, the more you exercise your muscles, the stronger they get. And the more you relax them or don't use them, guess what happens? The weaker they get. That's why when people have a major surgery or something and they're in the hospital bed for, you know, several weeks, they have to go to rehab because they've not been able to move for several weeks. And so their muscles have gotten weak. And friends, something is true that if a muscle is not used long, it will get weaker. And the point will come that muscle will not work again, no matter what you do. And that's the point that the writer of Hebrews is trying to make. He says it's impossible to renew those that have fallen away back. Some might say that the Bible's talk that this writer of Hebrews is talking about people who weren't really Christians to start with. But he's talking about Christians. How do we know that? He said, partakers of the Holy Spirit. Who has the Holy Spirit? It's only Christians. It's only people who are saved. And so the possibility does exist that we can walk away from our salvation and our relationship with the Lord. Does it happen often? I don't think so. But I think the possibility exists. And that's why the writer of Hebrews so adamantly multiple times warns us, be diligent about your faith. So we grow by doing and uh, doing habits of hope, building our habits of hope by extending ministry to others. I have found, I'm sure you have too, that when you've done something for someone else, it doesn't just help them. But you get benefit out of it too, don't you? So often I'll go to, to pray with somebody or encourage somebody that's sick, and I'm the one that ends up leaving more encouraged than I came in. So the more we do it, the stronger we get. And so our spiritual muscles and our ministry muscles should be constantly growing. We can't just say, well, I went, I went on a mission trip one time 20 years ago. That's good that you went on the mission trip. But if that's the only ministry that you've done, why your ministry muscles are getting weak. And they just might be close to atrophy. And so the writer of Hebrews is modest to say, hey, listen, let us... Pursue wholeness. Let us pursue the things that God created us for. And so that brings us to the second thing that we grow in, and that's not only in our habits of hope, but our confidence in Christ. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that, listen, it is Christ and his crucifixion on the cross, him shedding his blood for me and for you and for all the whosoever's in the world, that gives any of us hope that that event made all the difference in human history. That was the one cataclysmic, if you will, event that changed the course of human history forever. And the Bible says that, hey, listen, if we have become partakers... 
In other words, if we tasted that heavenly gift, we've digested Christ. In other words, we've put him into our life. That means we are his. And he is ours. Boy, what a difference that makes in our life, doesn't it? So that when we face difficulties, when we face temptations, when we face trials and we don't know what to do, we can look to Christ. And we find strength, and we find peace, and we find the way to get through whatever the situation might be. Because as he has reminded us, this preacher has reminded us in Hebrews before, that Christ is a high priest that can identify with me, and he can identify with you, because the struggles that you have and that I have, Christ had them too. And yet the difference between me and you and Christ is Christ came through unscathed and without sin. And you and I keep falling into sin. And we keep getting tripped up by it. And we keep getting impacted by it. But the writer of Hebrews reminds us that in Christ, as long as we're in Christ, we're safe and secure. But the moment we are out of Christ, there's no hope. So the obvious implication by this preacher is, hey, listen, make sure you do whatever you have to do to stay in Christ. To know that, listen, Christ loves you despite yourself. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us in this, that Christ died for us while we were still sick. Christ didn't wait to die on the cross before we figured it out and cleaned ourselves up. In fact, Christ knows that we can't clean ourselves up without his help. And so he says, you come just as you are. But friend, we need to understand something, and I want you to hear me. Christ will receive you just as you are. Absolutely, that's the truth. But there's the other side of the coin, and that's this, that Christ will not leave you like he found you. He will take you just as you are, but he will not leave you just like you are. He will make you new. And so he says, walk in that. Walk in that confidence of knowing that Christ is your Savior and you're not what you used to be. Satan and this world will try to remind you of your past and the mistakes that you've made and the failings that you've had in life. That's under the blood of Jesus, if you're a Christian. And what God is concerned with is your relationship with him and that you belong to him. And so... We need to grow in our confidence in Christ. But that's not a license of sin. It's not what I say, I know that I'm secure in Christ, and so as long as I'm with him, I'm going to go do what I want to do. And No. If we recognize that we are secure in Christ, and we really understand what that means and the change that Christ has made for us, then we want with all our desire and heart and with Christ's help to honor him. And to grow in him. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. 
but he sees Christ. And then the last thing that we're to grow in, not only in our habits of love, ministering to others, and grow in our confidence in Christ, knowing that we're His, and that He loves us no matter what, and that there's forgiveness for sin if we'll confess it. He will forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9 says. But then the writer of Hebrews finally admonishes us in these 12 verses that we are to be growing in our modeling of maturity. In other words, we should be growing in our example of what it means to follow Christ. People that have known us for a long time should be able to look at us and say, you know what, I've seen a change in you. You're not what you used to be. Sometimes that change is dramatic and overnight. Sometimes it takes a while. But the change occurs nonetheless. And we need to understand that that change is an example to others, especially newer believers in Christ. And those that maybe even come generations and generations and generations after us. Calvary Free Will Baptist Church was started 60-some years ago. None of you were around in those days. But I'm thankful that there were some people that had a love for Christ and a love for this church that they sacrificed and they served and they gave so that our church is here. We have a beautiful church to worship in, don't we? Air conditioning that's feeling pretty good today, in this hot summer day. We have a, a witness and a testimony in our community because not only of what we do in our community, but because of what generations past And so the writer of Hebrews says, listen, do not follow after the bad example of those forefathers that you have that died out in the wilderness because they abandoned their faith in God. Rather, you be faithful and be a faithful example so that generations that come after you will see your love and your zeal and how you grew in your relationship with God and you weren't afraid to dive deep into the things of God. Sadly, so often it's been said of the American church, rightly, that the church is a mile wide, but an inch deep. The church should seek to expand its influence. It should seek to expand its membership, not for the purpose or the goal of saying we've got a big membership. But the purpose of that is so that people's lives can be changed by the gospel of Christ. And that this world is being changed because of the difference that God is making in people's lives. That's what God desires to see. God's desire for us is to leave a legacy so that those that come behind us would have something to say, you know what? 20 years ago, there was this crazy lady named Martha Jordan. And boy, she must have been a hoot. 
But they'll see, you know, when you read the church minutes, she's, she'll be, her and Danny drive 45 minutes one way to church twice a week. And I'm not saying that to lift them up on a pedestal. I'm saying that to say, listen, they are examples of a man and woman who have been faithful to serve God and faithful to serve their church. I hope if I can live to be as old as they are, and I'm not going to say how old they are, they're fairly young. There, did that get me out of my hole? They're, they're, they're fairly young-ish. Uh, they used to be. But listen, what a great example. And, and great examples of people that we we can, can look back and talk to about people that have been at this church for years and years. I just mentioned them because we can see them and we know them. There's names of men and women that I could mention to you that have been pillars and have faithfully been a part of this church until the Lord called them home. God desires for us to be named in that number of faithful witnesses so that generations can continue to know the Lord and lives can continue to be changed because of the difference that the people of Calvary Free Will Baptist Church made. And so God challenges, he said, listen, you have to model that. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens because older, more seasoned saints were faithful and showed us how to pray and how to give how to serve. Does God's word help us to know those things? Yeah, it does. But God knows we aren't all that bright sometimes, and we need to see things, not just read them. And so when we see the things of God lived out before us, doesn't it help us to internalize that in our faith? One of the most encouraging habits that I've ever started, it was a pastor friend of mine, uh, and encouraged uh, me when I was in Bible college. He said, you know what? Make it a habit of reading autobiographies and biographies of Christian missionaries and other servants. And I tell you, that has been some of the most encouraging reading that I've ever done. John Wesley's journals are just a wonderful treasure trove of walking with God. Now, do I agree with everything John Wesley wrote or said? No. But my goodness, he was certainly a man that that wrestled with God and knew what it was to, to serve the Lord. Uh, and it was through his preaching because of what God did in his life that sparked a great revival in England in the 18th century. That revival, by the way, crossed the river or the ocean. Yeah, it was a big river. Crossed the ocean and came to America. And by the way, it was in a revival in America that the founder of the Free Will Baptist denomination was saved. So I guess in a roundabout way, we were a product of John Wesley's salvation experience. There are some Free Will Baptist missionaries that have had 
books written about them. Uh, I've mentioned uh, Dr. Laverne Miley on a couple occasions, and the biography about him that was written by his wife, I Looked for a Man and Found One, is one of the greatest biographies of a missionary that I've ever read. Go to Lifeway, they've got a series of biographies of Christian C.S. Lewis and all kinds of different ones. Uh, preachers and missionaries and just Christian leaders. And the stories of their life are so encouraging to us to say, hey, listen, they face some of the same struggles that we do. And yet, they served Christ faithfully, and what a difference they made. And you know what? Most of the time, in fact, I guarantee, John Wesley, I think, thought he did not make a difference significantly for God's kingdom. Can I tell you that he did? He probably didn't realize it until he got to heaven. Oftentimes, we don't realize the impact that we make in this world. I dare say most of the time we don't. But just because we don't realize it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be making In fact, Hebrews chapter 6 reminds us we should be making an internal difference, not only for the kingdom of Christ, but for people's lives. We should be making a difference in people. Not because of us, not because of how good we are or because of our abilities, but because of how great God is. And God really is the one that does the changing, isn't he? But he uses me and you, if we're willing. And so the challenge of of keeping our spiritual freedom and our spiritual vitality and and walk with the Lord is by growing in it. And the fact is, if you've been a Christian for 70 years and you've got the whole Bible memorized, if you're still breathing, there's things the Lord is still teaching you and there's things that He has for you to teach others. And so you better be doing it before it's too late. Because the day will come when you won't be here anymore. The day may come when that person that God has called you to witness to may not be here anymore. And so while you have the opportunity, you take advantage of that. And by doing that, you grow. And God's kingdom grows. And God's church grows. And that is a wonderful, wonderful But it will only happen if we are not content with being a mile wide and an inch deep. It would be a whole lot better for us to be a mile wide and a mile deep. Or maybe even half a mile wide and half a mile deep. Deepness matters. Storms that we've had come through our community the last week. It's knocked a lot of trees over. In fact, I lost power for a few hours because a tree fell over and fell on a transformer on somebody's house that lives down the road from us in the next neighborhood over. There are a lot of trees, though, that, that stood. Why did were some trees able to? Because they had deep root systems. And though the wind howled and bunches of rain came, those trees were able to withstand it. And storms will come into your life, my friend. And if your root system is not deep because you've grown, you will not withstand the storms. But if your root system is deep, you may bend, you may twist, you may lose a few limbs, 
but you won't break because your roots are deep and you've grown. So deepness indeed does matter, doesn't it? And so I hope God will challenge all of us and that we would make a commitment to say, let's go a little bit deeper in our faith with Christ. It may mean different things to each of us, but God calls all of us to go deeper. You say, well, I'm already pretty deep. I'm down at the 10-foot end of the pool. Maybe God wants you to go to the 12-foot pool. Maybe he wants you to go to the ocean that's you know miles deep. It doesn't matter how deep your relationship with the Lord is, that as long as we're on earth, God calls us to go deeper still. There's this old saying that if you stop growing that's when you start dying. That's true in our human bodies, and it's true in your spiritual walk. If you stop growing, you will start dying. God intends for you to every day be growing and growing and growing closer to Him. And so I hope God will help us to make that determination and to follow through. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this day, your goodness. We thank you for the freedom we have as Americans. Lord, more importantly, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, we thank you that we are yours and that you take us just as we are, but you do not leave us like you found us. Lord, thank you for the difference you've made in my life and in the lives of those that are gathered here in this auditorium this morning. Lord, would you help us individually and corporately as a church to commit and to just make the determination we're not going to be sluggish. We're going to grow deeper in our faith. We're going to go deeper in our relationship with Christ by serving others, by ministering and giving hope and by growing in our knowledge and our, our walk with you and knowing who we are in Christ and by being a faithful example to those that come behind they would find us faithful and find you faithful most importantly. So help us, we pray. Well, if there's one here today that doesn't know you and the pardon of sin, new life that that gives, would you help them today to call on you to accept that gift of salvation? Lord, if there's one of your children here today that's not growing deeper in fact, their muscles are getting weaker and weaker, would you help them today? Say, Lord, I need spiritual rehab and I'm going to get into the hospital and I'm going to start exercising those, those spiritual muscles again. Put them to work, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Friend, let's stand together this morning. If there's a decision you need to make today, today would be a great